Together we will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you. Thank you, Oklahoma. Thank you. That's you. Trying to disguise yourself as a worker bee. That's you trying to blend in with hive. But you're not a worker bee. You're a renegade killer bee. Killer bee. Killer bee. Viceberg Slim. I will chop your heads off! Welcome to In Broad Daylight, a politics and news podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown, Louise Prada, and Ian Forty. Hey everybody, welcome to a very special solo episode of In Broad Daylight. Louise and Forty will be back for the next episode, along with all the segments and whatnot, but this week... I want to talk about one thing and one thing only, Trump's campaign launch rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But why? It was such a failure. No one even showed up. The Trump presidency is over. All hail Joe Biden. Change is here. Except I'm not really sure that's true. If anything, the Tulsa rally and the subsequent reporting on it represent the same kind of media failures that led to Trump getting elected in 2016. I would never go so far as to call the mainstream media the enemy of the people, like President Fuckstick likes to do. That is inflammatory bullshit that will eventually get people killed if it doesn't stop. That said, I do think the mainstream media is taking us down the same don't worry, Trump will never win path that we went down the last time, and that certainly isn't doing the country any favors right now. Because all anyone wants to talk about, at least as it pertains to the Tulsa rally, is that the crowd was smaller than usual, and that he called coronavirus the Kung Flu. And sure, those are both things worth talking about, and talking about in a lot of detail. But I worry that people are taking this small crowd size as confirmation that Trump is done, and as a result, completely ignoring the things Trump said to the crowd that night. Before the rally happened, newly hated by all sides filmmaker Michael Moore posted a thing on Facebook about how a million people requesting tickets and untold numbers of people literally sleeping in the street to get in first is an obvious sign that we still need to be worried about the energy behind Trump's campaign. Well, as it turns out, a lot of those million people were K-pop fans trolling our dear leader, and God love him for that. But since most of those people didn't show up, Michael Moore was trending on Twitter the next day as a result of people laughing it up about how wrong he was. He said we should be worried about Trump. What a disconnected dumbass. But here's the thing. What about those people who slept in the streets to get inside? Also K-pop fans? Unlikely. Those are Trump supporters. And in regards to those people, I think Michael Moore brings up a really great point. How many people would line up and sleep in the streets to see Joe Biden speak right now? Honestly, can you even sort of imagine Joe Biden packing six to 12,000 supporters into an arena right now in the middle of a pandemic? And I know, I know, that just happened because Trump supporters are stupid and think coronavirus is fake. But is that really what that crowd says about Trump's following? In some respects, yes, obviously it does. But in the name of playing devil's advocate, I'd suggest that maybe 
that smaller than usual crowd size could just be a sign that sit down for this even trump supporters aren't a monolith do you really truly believe that he wouldn't have filled that arena if coronavirus wasn't a thing right now are you really sitting at home comfortable in the belief that the murder of george floyd and the subsequent protests surrounding it have somehow turned trump's most fervent supporters into establishment democrat fans what exactly about the people who have frequented these rallies in the past leads you to believe they'd be appalled enough by police violence against black people and trump's response to it that they just choose to stay home this time i know this is going to sound crazy but to me the smaller crowd size could just as easily be a sign that some trump supporters even those who sometimes go to rallies do actually take coronavirus seriously and didn't want to get sick i understand we need trump supporters to be all one thing so as to streamline our twitter dunking efforts but that doesn't make it true besides it's 2020 america trump supporters don't have to attend rallies in person to see them these things are streamed on youtube like anything else so let's talk about those numbers for a second at present the nbc news stream of the rally 723,000 views the fox news stream 2.5 million views abc news bay area 432,000 views even global news canada has 75,000 views on their stream of the rally that's 3.73 million views just among those four outlets and sure not all of those views are going to be trump supporters in fact a lot of them will be trump haters like myself but even if we're just talking likes on those videos again just between those four outlets who are among the dozens of outlets who streamed it 115,700 people watched trump's rally in tulsa and approved of what they saw and heard that should worry you a lot because what the people in that arena that night and the people at home watching on youtube saw and heard was trump going full-on nationalist authoritarian tyrant during his goddamn campaign launch rally if nothing else we should be paying more attention to the things he said at this rally for that reason this was trump laying out his campaign platform for 2020 and all we want to talk about is that at a moment when large gatherings are discouraged for health reasons not as many people showed up as usual and i think it's because once again we've convinced ourselves that there's just absolutely no way trump will win another election so who cares what he says but just a reminder trump is our current president the things he says are always worth listening to especially at a time like this when protests are happening in the streets on a daily basis and that's where the media not covering this properly really gets under my skin yes trump using the phrase kung flu is racist and gross but it's not even sort of the most horrifying or inflammatory thing he said that night hell the media hasn't even managed to pick out his biggest goof of the night here's a clip from early in the speech for starters pay attention to how he characterizes protesters here because that's going to be a recurring theme but also pay special attention to the word at the end our incredible success in rebuilding america stands in stark contrast to the extremism and destruction and violence of the radical left we just saw it outside we just saw it outside you saw these thugs that came along these people call them protesters isn't it beautiful it's so beautiful no, they're so wonderful. They call them the Boston Tea Party. They're so wonderful. 
Yeah, they call them. You ever watch uh, fake news CNN? You ever watch where they go? How about the CNN anchor? How about the CNN anchor? You know, did a little shave job in the head, which is fine. And he's standing in front of a building saying things are very peaceful here. Very, and the building is, it looks like the biggest fire I've ever seen. The whole town is burning. It look, it's like the biggest fire. And he said, things are very good here, Anderson. I think it's good. I think it's good. He's a wonderful people, Anderson. You ever see that? Looked like the world was coming to an end. And you know, we did something in Minneapolis. Did you hear it? Where the fuck is Minneapolis? And he says this in a speech where he later goes on to give Joe Biden shit for sometimes getting the name of the city he's in wrong. But that clip also typifies the problems we still have to this day when it comes to covering Trump. We tend to focus on the Minneapolis kind of moments while wholly ignoring the rhetoric that usually surrounds those moments. In this case, he's kicking off his rally by calling the people protesting the murder of George Floyd thugs. And it just gets more intense from there. But how about Seattle? Is that good? So they take over a big chunk of a city called Seattle. I mean, we're not talking about some little place. We're talking about Seattle. Have you ever been to Seattle? They took over a big chunk, and the governor, who's radical left, all of these places I talk about are Democrat. You know that. Every one of them. Every one of them. And I have an offer out. I said, anytime you want, we'll come in, we'll straighten it out in one hour or less. Now, I may be wrong, but it's probably better for us to just watch that disaster. Okay, so that's point number one of Trump's 2020 platform. Electing radical left Democrats will directly lead to the destruction of this country both physically and ideologically. I think places like Seattle are going to be integral to that idea. He's bringing up Seattle because of the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Capitol Hill is a neighborhood in Seattle. Protesters managed to drive police out of a precinct there and have since taken over the area and are demanding that police not return. And they mostly have not, but the mayor promises they will at some point. We'll see how that all shakes out. But I think this particular aspect of the ongoing protest will be really important. While it's contained to a place like Seattle, I have no doubt Trump will be more than happy to let it carry on forever so he can use it as a cautionary tale about what happens when radical leftists take over a government. Also, all Democrats are radical leftists now. Add that to Trump's campaign platform for 2020. Now, where the idea of autonomous zones will get ugly is when they start popping up in states that are controlled by governors who are more deferential to Trump's law and order tendencies. Let's say, just as a hypothetical scenario, that at some point a Forest Park autonomous zone pops up. What's Forest Park? A neighborhood in Birmingham, Alabama. You think 75-year-old lifelong conservative Republican Governor Kay Ivey will hesitate to send in the National Guard immediately if that happens? I think this is the situation Trump wants. If autonomous zones become a nationwide thing, he will sell himself as the candidate who will fix 
that problem for your state. You heard it in that clip. And if you watch this entire speech, you'll hear it a lot more throughout the entire thing. Just give Donnie the word and he'll take care of your autonomous zone in under an hour. And at the very beginning of the speech, he says something that seems like a throwaway line. Here it goes. I stand before you today to declare the silent majority is stronger than ever before. It's really important to take note of what that phrase referred to when Nixon first used it in 1969. The silent majority back then referred to Americans who didn't participate in widespread protests over the Vietnam War, who didn't join the counterculture and didn't express their political views publicly. Now, replace Vietnam War with Black Lives Matter, replace counterculture with socialists, keep the rest as is, and now combine all that with his line about watching Seattle burn for his own political gain. And what you have is his 2020 campaign strategy if the protests carry on and turn into a nationwide thing. I promise you, even in relatively progressive Seattle, there are plenty of politically apathetic, well-off white people who will 100% swing into political action if it means they can have coffee in Capitol Hill with their friends again someday. While most of us on the left are comfortably sure these protests are an obvious sign Trump's days are numbered, he's telling you, right here in his own explicit words that he sees them as a political advantage so now let's talk about the black house autonomous zone that in theory would be the same thing an area very near the white house that protesters have expelled police from and refused to let them return it's not a thing yet at least not as i record this things do move pretty fast these days However, there is indeed an area very near the White House that signs and graffiti are promoting as the Black House Autonomous Zone. What if that happens? What if protesters successfully set that up? Trump has already tweeted that they'll be met with, quote, serious force, end quote, if they try. And the problem is he actually has all sorts of authority to do that. For starters, under D.C. law, The president has the authority to take over the police department in the case of an emergency. It's never happened before, but the administration has already floated the idea. And somehow that's actually the best case of the two possible scenarios, because the other is that he can still invoke the Insurrection Act, which gives him the authority to deploy active duty military troops pretty much anywhere within the United States. Either way, a Black House autonomous zone will lay the groundwork for Trump to put on a demonstration of force that he'll then try to sell as a fix for other states experiencing the same thing. If the silent majority is still what it was in the 60s and 70s, clearing out autonomous zones so life can return to normal is a message that will resonate with a whole lot of them. And Trump is banking on that in 2020. But hey, let's break up the doom and gloom with some fun stuff. Listen to this shit. But you don't hear them talking about COVID. COVID. To be specific, COVID-19. What the hell is COVID? That word could not possibly be easier to pronounce, and he botches it twice in a goddamn row, and several times throughout the rest of the speech. It's like he's not capable of pronouncing any coronavirus-related words correctly if they aren't super-duper racist. Anyway, this is part of the speech where he says that thing about asking his administration to slow down coronavirus testing. I do actually think he was joking, but also don't care either way, because testing is a state thing and he doesn't have any say in how it goes. That this, of all things, is another moment the media has decided to hone in on is just more evidence 
of how problematic the coverage of this event has been. Speaking of problematic, let's listen to what Trump has to say about Confederate monuments. The unhinged left-wing mob is trying to vandalize our history, desecrate our monuments, our beautiful monuments. Tear down our statues and punish, cancel, and persecute anyone who does not conform to their demands for absolute and total control. We're not conforming. That's why we're here, actually. This cruel campaign of censorship and exclusion violates everything we hold dear as Americans. They want to demolish our heritage so they can impose their new oppressive regime in its place. While I do admire and am mildly charmed by the way he said place at the end there, literally every other second of that was white nationalist dog whistle shit. And he's just getting started on that storm front. But before we get into that, it's worth noting that shortly after this speech, Trump announced he'd be issuing an executive order that makes destroying a national monument a crime that could potentially send a person to prison for anywhere from one to 10 years. And sure, destroying a national monument is already a crime that carries that exact same sentence, but that's not the point. The point is to let people know he will take strong action against unrest. It's not just for white nationalists, it's for that silent majority too. But also, if you think he's baiting racists there, buckle up, it's about to get so much worse. Let's hear Trump's take on defunding the police. They wanted to fund and dissolve our police departments. Think of that. And I heard it for the first time two weeks ago. I said, well, that one, I mean, they're only kidding. I said, they're only kidding. Minneapolis, you see what's going on? They're not kidding. They got a lot of problems. They'll have a lot of problems. Hey, it's one o'clock in the morning. And a very tough, you know, I've used the word on occasion, hombre. A very tough hombre is breaking into the window of a young woman whose husband is away as a traveling salesman or whatever he may do. And you call 911 and they say, I'm sorry, this number is no longer working. By the way, you have many cases like that, many, 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 whether it's a young woman, an old woman, a young man or an old man, and you're sleeping. So what are you going to do, right? I mean, I guess kudos on fighting the obvious urge to say white woman there. But beyond that, that's obviously Trump trying to rile up the racists with cautionary tales about criminal brown people invading the homes where we keep our women. And for what it's worth, according to FBI statistics, white people commit more burglaries than any other race. So not only is he being racist, he's targeting the wrong group. He should be warning his base about tough chads, if anything. And somehow, this bit of hate-mongering actually manages to get even more obvious with what he says next. Give it a listen, and more importantly, listen to the reaction it gets. So if you want to save your heritage, you want to save that beautiful heritage of ours, we have a great heritage, we're a great country, You are so lucky I'm president, that's all I can tell you.
troubling. No, but sure, let's laugh it up because more people weren't there. And he wasn't done slamming his foot on the racist gas pedal. Here's one you probably heard already. And every once in a while, I'll have one of these days where I'm hit left and right, left and right, like even this great event. What if you could have seen outside or if you could have heard the reports, the reports, oh, it's COVID, it's this, I've gotten... It's, by the way, it's a disease without question, has more names than any disease in history. I can name Kung Flu. I can name 19 different versions of names. From there, he spends about 15 minutes explaining the West Point ramp and glass of water scandals, and he actually does a decent job. So I'm not going to play any of those clips because fuck him. But then he gets right back to being racist and scary again. The left-wing anarchists tore down a statue of Thomas Jefferson. Now we're getting into the real stuff. They decapitated a statue of Christopher Columbus, except in New York when the Italians surrounded it. They didn't have too much of a chance. Those Italians, I love the Italians. They heard they were going to rip down their beautiful Christopher Columbus, and all of a sudden they circled that thing. They didn't do too well in hurting Christopher, did they? Thank you to our Italian population. We're very proud of you. Two days ago, leftist radicals in Portland, Oregon, ripped down a statue of George Washington and wrapped it in an American flag and set the American flag on fire. Democrat, all Democrat. Everything I tell you is Democrat. Hear that? Democrat, Democrat. That's gonna be his campaign. Democrats will literally destroy America. He piles on the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone and the tearing down of monuments a little bit more from there. Then his attention turns to Joe Biden and he makes the argument of my fucking nightmares. The one I've been saying he will make for months now. Here it goes. This one is a little long. Sorry. Biden is a very willing Trojan horse for socialism. Joe Biden is a shameless hypocrite. Since 2003, he has delivered fawning eulogies to the funeral and at those funerals of three leading supporters of segregation, including a former member of the KKK. And yet Biden is now smearing as racists tens of millions of people like yourselves, decent, hardworking Americans who he's never met and he frankly probably doesn't want to meet. America should not take lectures on racial justice from Joe Biden, Sleepy Joe. A man who praised and partnered with segregationists, shipped millions of black American jobs overseas and everyone else's jobs too, by the way. If I didn't come along, we're building auto plants, we're building everything. And there's never been a comeback like we're making right now. Never been. He hollowed out our middle class, including our black middle class, with open borders, trapped young children in failing government schools, built cages. Those cages were built by Obama 
and Biden. Look it up, 2014. And the fake news doesn't want to remember the picture of a cage, a cage for children. Remember the picture of the cage? And they said, President Trump. And then they realized that was in a newspaper, 2014, the same, built by Obama and Biden, the cages. And they don't want to report the way it is. They know the way it is. They're not stupid. They sent young boys to fight in Iraq while the inner cities crumbled, helped the big banks while hammering community leaders, and made our cities less safe and secure for all. They've done a terrible job, and they shouldn't be awarded. They should not get rewarded with an election victory on November 3rd. That shouldn't happen. It'll destroy this country. Our country will be destroyed. We've all worked too hard. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Some do, actually, but in a very sinister way. Virtually every policy that has hurt black Americans for half a century, Joe Biden has supported or enacted. I've done more for the black community in four years than Joe Biden has done in 47 years. Racial justice begins with Joe Biden's retirement from public life. Okay, first off, Biden brought that Trojan horse for socialism shit on himself with that line about being a transition president meant to usher in the Mayor Pete's of the world. I'm sorry, but your campaign platform for 2020 can't just be, I'm not as bad as Trump and someone better will come along after me. Also, believe all the articles about Biden having unprecedented support among black voters all you want. He definitely does have a lot of support among older black voters. But that doesn't change the fact that he's going to have to explain a whole lot of his past record to younger black voters. How's that going to go? Sorry I signed off on mass incarceration twice, but you must understand, it was the only way we could protect women. Whoa! Does that sound racist? It sure does. It's also a loose paraphrasing of Biden's defense of that infamous crime bill he used to be so proud of. Sure, it sucked hard for black people, but at least we stapled the Violence Against Women Act to it at the last minute. That's got to count for something, right? I have said it before and I'll say it again. The Violence Against Women Act in no way, shape, or form explains why we needed to incarcerate black people at a disproportionately higher rate for three decades. I know a lot of people are expecting Joe Biden to skate to the White House on the strength of being the less racist option compared to Trump, but please believe me, it's not going to be that simple. Joe Biden has a lot to answer for, but now... Let's talk about something he absolutely does not need to explain or answer for. His campaign staff even donated a lot of money to bail out rioters, looters, and arsonists who ravaged Minneapolis. They bailed them out. They put up a lot of money to bail them out, the rioters, the looters. And they were. They were the arsonists. So they'll say, oh, it's terrible what he says about the people of our nation. Maybe some of them aren't even from our nation. The left is trying to do everything they can to stop us. Every hour of every day, including even violence and mayhem, they'll do anything they can to stop us. Look what happened tonight. Look at what happened tonight. 
Law enforcement said, sir, they can't have, they can't be outside, it's too dangerous. We had a bunch of maniacs come and sort of attack our city. The mayor and the governor did a great job, but they were very violent people. And our people are not nearly as violent, but if they ever were, it would be a terrible, terrible day for the other side. Because I know our people. I know our people. While I do very much worry about Trump and the DOJ criminalizing the act of supporting protesters in any way, especially with Minneapolis PD Lieutenant Bob Kroll recently starting the drumbeat of accusations that Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. They're not, obviously. But if that's an idea that picks up steam and the government does somehow manage to label them as terrorists, all of those donations become a crime. But that's a talk for another time. For now, how about that our people line at the end there? In my opinion, it's another of the bafflingly underreported moments from this speech. To paraphrase a line from noted black actor Robert Downey Jr., what do you mean, our people? And see, that's what makes that line so effective. It can mean whatever you want. If you're a white nationalist, you're obviously going to assume he means white people. If you're part of that silent majority, you might think it's racist, but you also might think he just means real Americans like yourself, as opposed to those evil socialists who are in the streets burning shit down or at least you'll justify it that way and then you'll hear this i recently signed groundbreaking criminal justice reform i secured record and permanent funding for historically black colleges and universities we slashed regulations and passed massive tax cuts to give black workers a pay raise like they've never ever gotten before and lift up black owned businesses and i worked closely with a great senator also friend of theirs senator tim scott south carolina to create opportunity zones which are doing incredibly and since then countless jobs and 100 billion dollars of new investment not government investment have poured into 9,000 of our most distressed neighborhoods anywhere in the country 9,000 and you'll feel a whole lot better about your choice because here's the problem a whole lot of what trump said in those clips is true Biden has bragged about being a part of those bills that hurt black people. Trump did sign criminal justice reform. Opportunity zones are actually a thing. Granted, how effective or honest any of those efforts have been is up for debate, but they do exist. Does that mean black voters are going to flock to Trump? Probably not now, but I don't think that's who this messaging is for anymore. I've said for a long time that he'd eventually start directing his platform toward the idea that things like shutting down immigration and deporting dreamers will ultimately benefit black people who've been hurt by democratic policies. And that's exactly what he's doing. What I didn't realize when I first had that thought is how effective that strategy can be even at a time like this. I have also said for a long time that if it comes to pass that this country falls into an extended state of unrest in the streets, a lot of centrist and apolitical types will want nothing more than for that to stop. I was already uncomfortably confident that Trump could win by positioning Democrats as the real racists. And against all odds, 
the protests and the potential that autonomous zones could become a nationwide thing make that seem even more possible to me because now he doesn't have to sell black people on the idea he just has to make previously apolitical types who just want the protests to end to feel like they aren't being racist by voting for him and to be really clear i'm not at all saying the protests that are happening right now are a bad thing they are a great thing and should carry on for as long as it takes to fix the problem of systemic racism in law enforcement and then we probably need some more protests from there to break down a lot of other systemic problems in this country i think i've been pretty clear what side of the line i fall on when it comes to police violence but what i am saying is don't for one single goddamn second think that unrest in the streets and a smaller than expected rally crowd means it's time to revert to the idea that Donald Trump will never be the next president of the United States. We've been down that road before, and it did not end well. And in the name of bad endings, here's what I would argue is the absolutely most insane Trump line from that Tulsa rally, and I haven't heard a single media outlet say a thing about it. We will defend privacy, free thought, free speech, religious liberty, and the right to keep and bear arms. And when you see those lunatics all over the streets, it's damn nice to have arms. Did you hear that? That was the president of the United States saying that having a gun on you is a good idea when those evil, maniacal, no good protesters are around. That's pretty wild. Yet somehow all anyone wants to talk about is that the crowd was small and Trump said Kung Flu. Again, I'd never say the mainstream media is the enemy of the people, but I will say that I've seen very little mention of Trump's rhetoric toward protesters from that night, and it's worth asking or even just wondering why that may be. Anyway, that's all I wanted to tell you today. Thank you for listening. Please support the Unpops Network by subscribing on Supercast at unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech or patreon.com slash unpops. Support Black Lives Matter or the social justice organization of your choosing. Don't be a racist piece of shit. Thanks. I love you. Bye. (laughs) 